three weeks and four podcasts after I told my wife we were only going to record one more podcast, we have come to our last podcast on the Owls of Aircast, our last podcast for the season. I'm sure we'll be back. There's championship football to talk about. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro in suburban Utah. So I, I'm going to take it. I was going to take it easy. This is a low key show. We're going to have some fun, go over some predictions, talk about some new kits in June instead of August for a change. Lots, lots of fun to be had. So I was going to have uh, a couple of I had a couple of Utah's Kolsch's uh, all ready to go. It's a brewery in Ogden, Utah. For our recording session on Monday, it got pushed back to Wednesday. I went to a concert that was BYOB on Tuesday and drank my last two colleges there. So today I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll go out lunchtime, uh, grab a couple beers. So I did. Came back. Pretty easy afternoon uh, on the workload. My wife asks if I take the dog for a long walk. So we, we go up a, a fairly large mountain in North Salt Lake. I get back. I'm like, I need a frozen drink. So I put together a, a, a double frozen daiquiri in the blender. Get ready to start uh, for around 7 p.m. mountain daylight time. Start. We push it back a half hour. Uh, I drank uh, the entire frozen daiquiri. Fortunately, I still have the beers I got at lunch. And this is the best way to finish off a promotion winning season with what has been voted Utah's best ale. I don't know what their best lager is. But it's been voted their best ale. It's from Bewilder Brewing in Salt Lake City, my personal favorite local. And it's simply their ESB, which at least one person on the podcast and probably a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with. Uh, I haven't actually, I think I've had it uh, on Nitro on their tap before. I've not had it recently. So cheers. Mm, that's really good. It's not like super summery, but it certainly hits the spot. To wrap up this season and discuss the record-breaking and oftentimes, especially in the last few weeks, brain-breaking 2022-2023 Sheffield Wednesday season. We start in New England with our New England owl, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey Jeff, uh, I am uh, back on the Bain Beer Company's Peeper Pale Ale. A uh, local beer store of mine has a uh, little selection, pretty cheap too, so... Uh, uh, when I need to just grab uh, one to carry me through the pod, it's a great spot to stop. In Portland, Oregon, it's our Cascadia Owl, Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Jeff, how are you? Uh, I am drinking, um, I busted out the soda stream and uh, threw in some fizzy water with some gin and this is, um, and some fruit. So this is Wild Roots, which is a, uh, Local London Dry Gin from uh, Sisters, Oregon, and it's uh, quite tasty. We have a fourth co-host. So I want to review. Wednesday had a record-breaking 96-point season. They went unbeaten for 23 games. Uh, club record. Beat Newcastle in the FA Cup, uh, a team will be playing in the Champions League next year. Erased the biggest deficit in EFL playoffs history, and then scored a 123rd-minute winner at Wembley. So we're really putting him to the test tonight. James Allen in Queens. Can you still be negative about Sheffield Wednesday? Hello, Jeff. It's good to see you all. Um, no, no. no. What are you drinking, by the way? Yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, usual I'm question. I'll, uh, I know, I'll dial off but... now, shall I? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, what a year. What a year. Um, no, it's um, it's been an incredible year and an incredible couple of weeks. So it's nice to be back with you all. Um, it's been a pretty busy year, so I've managed to miss most of all the aforementioned events, but I'm, uh, I'm honoured to You go- really missed out on those 1-0 uh, wins over Akron and Stanley that we discussed on the uh, show. I've uh, I've been quietly watching along, you know, mm. um, usually at sort of 10 o'clock in the morning in my pajamas. But uh, no, it's been good. And uh, Jeff, just to show my uh, synchronicity with you, despite the fact I've not been on the podcast, here I am drinking in honour of our victory over Barnsley, a Rockaway ESB. So there you go. You and I have uh, have kindred tastes in our beers tonight. And for anyone who doesn't understand the acronym, that's an extra special bitter. Um, I will just disclose, though, because I'm in a positive mood. I don't want anyone knocking Barnsley. I thought they were tremendous. So I'm, uh, yeah, we I'm said this last week on the show. They, the they were incredibly the hard done by it, and I will never worry about that again. <laughs> but we will uh, take one last look back at the last few weeks in Wednesday football, and then start taking a look forward. Obviously, the retained list is already out. There's a new kit for the 2023-2024 season, and we might start to consider uh, what that squad will look like as well. But I should say one of the main reasons we have James on is because James was at Wembley. And I have a few questions for you, James, because you were there live. We discussed this last week. Was it a little nervy in the crowd during the actual game? Oh, it was so nervy, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) You can feel it, dude. You can feel it. You know, it it was amazing because I've said this to a lot of people. Like, you know, I was there in 2016 Mm -hmm. and the atmosphere last Monday was just completely different from the build-up to the game to the after game. Like, even though we won, there was a really different dynamic in the stadium and in the fan base. And what was really interesting is kind of 2016, I think we kind of, we turned up kind of expectant, right? There was this kind of almost looking back <laughs> kind of arrogance. Like, I don't know if it was like just, you know, a pot boiling over, but, you know, we were bouncing up the gangways. We were singing. It was a perfect storm, effort. right? That whole season from yeah, Carlos exactly. landing yeah, in there. Just that, together. Yeah. It was magical. But, you know, we we were kind of singing as if we'd won when we were going into the stadium, right? And it took quite a while for the air to come out of the balloon. This is back against Hull. But this one, it, it was like a really different environment. Everyone was kind of a little bit kind of calm and quiet going in. I mean, there was a great atmosphere and, you know, just incredible volume of people and, and singing before the game. But as soon as the game got started, it kind of it did what Hillsborough does, which is kind of it kind of sat back and it kind of, you know, everybody kind of almost took a deep collective breath. And I think like you guys said on the pod last week, realized, oh, this is playoff football. This is going to be uncomfortable. This is going to be a really nasty 90 minutes, probably 120 minutes. And as the game wore on, that got worse. So, yeah, the, the tension in the stadium was palpable, and especially kind of as Barnsley were probably slightly overdoing their expectations of a 10 men in the second half it, it was really nervy yeah there was um you could hear a pin drop as we went into extra time so where were you you could singing? hear barnsley fans singing you had oh, you can hear them singing hear, you if know. you hear you hear them singing literally as like they're collecting like cameron dawson is collecting the ball to kick it down at 122 35 yeah, they, they, yeah. They, had, they had a couple patches where that their yeah. crowd really really pushed through yeah, and you, you could only really sense it in the moment. I mean, if, if you know, victory changes your perception, right? And mm. and the atmosphere, the second the wind scores, the second that the game finishes, like, I mean, it's the best atmosphere you could ever possibly be a part of. But yeah, at 117 minutes, not 123 minutes, it, it wasn't that great. You know, people were kind of, I think, just collectively on edge. Uh, I'm fucking so it's, tense it's, just hearing you we say all, this. <laughs> we, all talk, that's, we all made jokes about attendance FC in the week leading up. It's, it, you know, it is what it is or whatever. 
But people don't actually realize when you put 45,000 Wednesday fans in one place, that is a thing that can happen. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a thing that does happen. You know, there's, yeah. there's another interesting dynamic as well, which is it's actually really hard to make a lot of noise in Wembley. That stadium it is, doesn't yeah. all sound very well. It's um, it's actually kind of, it's a lousy bowl. It doesn't kind of wrap mm-hmm. around in quite the way a lot of, you know, big stadia with good roofs do. And look, the Wednesday fan base did a phenomenal job, you know, in kind of like, you know, the sing-along before the game, hi-ho, um, at the moments where they were trying to get behind the team when the sending off happened, you know, there was an absolute, it was raucous, right? But we didn't dominate it the whole way through the game. And then once kind of, you know, the energy was going out of the match a little bit, yeah, you could hear Barnsley. And that was kind of, that was kind of what I was saying, like, you've got to have respect for them because it wasn't just on the pitch where they were representing themselves. There was, we were probably two to one outnumbering them in that stadium, but their fans made themselves heard, right? And yeah, it's, look, there were kind of, there was 30 years of nerves built up in that game, right? We've kind of <laughs> we've stuffed this up plenty of times before. And I promise you, the generations that have seen us done it were there. And on the pod last week, I think, Justin, you were talking about the fact this is the first game that your kids have kind of seen us win, right? And same for me, exactly the same for me. Um, but I was there with my dad. My dad is 77 years old. Like, he's seen us mess this up plenty of times. And there were a lot of my dads there. There were a lot of the older generation in the crowd. Yeah, I mean, there are probably was, literally people there that saw them blow a two-goal lead against Everton in the 66 FA Cup or whatever it was. Yeah. Probably fair few have seen that. And yeah. also, you know, Chris Woods in 1993 or, yeah. um, you know. Or the Boxing Day. Or, I mean, mm. it's just the, the lifetime of memories with the club. That, man. Yeah. But you know what? That that was the flip side of it. So sorry, Jeff. This is a really long way of answering your question. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was tense, but it was also more joyous because of it. Because mm-hmm. when what happened happened, right? It was like the entire Wednesday family was there. It was like the biggest family party you've ever been. You to. mean, I mean you I mean when Will Fox scored? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Because I lost my shit. I was running around that. Bar oh, we all like did. We all did. Yeah. 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 Because oh there's, there's not a person in the stadium that sees that flag goes up, go up at the minute where he belts it in the top corner, yeah. right? I mean, there right. were a few smart folks who, you know, saw the flag up fast enough afterwards. But because he puts it up after, because of the VAR rule, nobody sees that in the passage right. of play. Yeah. So we celebrated twice. I mean, that was kind of <laughs> nice, right? We had two goals, not just one. So where were you sitting relative to the Windass goal? Uh, so we were, I mean, we, we were high up. So in fact, mo- most of the folks I saw, yeah. and I, that was the other great thing thing right i mean we we knew so many people who were at different points in the stadium but a lot of people were up in that like top tier the five section um so we were kind of just about level with the goal line on mm. i guess kind of the right side so the side that jack hunt was on when he pulled it back for the yeah. uh, for the box goal so the team ran away from your side after no the, the team ran, to ran it. towards it so when, when, okay. when winda scored and they came down lee gregory ran to the yeah. or jogged okay. to yeah. the other lee, side lee gregory, <laughs> oh, he was too exhausted to run so he, he went yeah. the other way but we got we got everybody else yeah yeah beautiful yeah. so it's always it was interesting to me watching it uh really the replays because live i was already uh halfway down the hallway at my apartment how many times the goal hit the bell i'm still watching a few a few i'm still i still am yeah there's like because you see it Sometimes you'll see when something builds like that, you can kind of see like people get on the edge of their seat or start to stand. Like if you watch back the Patterson fifth goal, by the time the ball is coming to him, you can see people in the Leppings lane and already kind of getting up. It didn't feel like anybody thought that was anything like anything was happening, right? Like Gregory was just sort of wandering off into a well, corner I... away from the and like. I don't know if people were watching Gregory and not watching Windass making the late run into the box. And even as Windass is about to head it, it's not even really, there's like no noise still. And then there's just like, 
It just like it just you snap. The keeper. I thought there was. Palms it doesn't get to there, it though, right? When when uh, Fizz. But makes usually, that like run. you see a cross that's that good, and that's an incredible chipped cross to a lot of people. Pulled back, and there's like nobody. I don't think anybody. I think the entire crowd thought it was going to penalties and would not allow themselves to believe that when it was going to do that. I just didn't. I never saw Windus. I, I watched. So this yeah. is a great one, too. And mm. the run goes from Fizz. And mm. you see him clear that space. And after he clears it, Gregory steps into that space. And the, he's doing a fucking Irish step dance in there. And I think that's what I was certainly just trying to watch what the hell is he going to do with this ball when he floated it out i looked up to follow the ball and it even then it didn't it's behind like, smith who you thought he yeah, might try to play it, was it to, like yeah. what's and suddenly diving <laughs> out of nowhere and you just see the bulge in the back of the net and that's that's limbs so i'm but, sorry i jumped in for my experience at the bar but i think we were, i was gonna ask so james what was the vibe after the goal and before they didn't kick off. Were you guys worried that they, Jeffrey last week mentioned that he was worried about how much time they were going to stick on there. Were they give them one more, give, give them one more run or not, but what was the vibe? So, so the two things are linked, right? So I kind of, I, I think back to the second leg against Peterborough and like, you know, in the 97th minute, like all of us in the bar in New York are basically saying, well, that was incredible. That was an incredible ride. We gave it our all, but we didn't quite more, get more saved his job. Yeah. And there we go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, wow, we've kind of, you know, we've we've done ourselves justice, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the throw goes in and we score and it's pandemonium. And it was kind of the same vibe in the stadium. I think every I, I would wager that every one of 44,000 Wednesday I had accepted it was going to penalties. Like, you know, we'd kind of run out the, the injury time. Um the ball was bouncing around. It was like pinball when it goes back to Fizz and then Fizz feeds it in. And then just, just and I agree with you. Like everybody's trying to work out what Gregory's doing because he's it almost it's almost like he's running it into the corner. It looks right? like the move's gone, right? It like looks like it's here. gone. Yeah. And then if you notice, and this is the thing I can't. I, I've watched this like I don't know a hundred times, and I still can't pick it. He doesn't look up, right? He kind of he picks the pass to Windass without seeing Windass, and I, I don't know quite whether that's. Local good judgment. Windows said they around, worked on they worked on that all week. Is him making runs into the yeah. box for that? So. Apparently, it was it was that move down. Yeah. Any any which way around, like literally, I think it takes everybody in the same way, which is like, well, hang on, and then bang, and then in that <laughs> moment, and there's only one person in the stadium who sees it going in, according to the photos, and that's Aiden Flynn. Have you seen the picture? <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah. And like you know, the second yeah. that like Windows is connecting with the ball, he's got his arms in the air. Yeah. So um yeah, no, we it just it just completely caught everyone. But then Mike, to your question, I think everybody knew that was the last kick of the game. Mm -hmm. So at that okay. point, it's like, no, it's not just a goal. That's that's promotion. That's the season. That's the denouement of everything. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I mean the celebration didn't stop. It wasn't like everyone was like, Okay, we're gonna go back and like have to watch 30 seconds of drama. It was the stadium was at that point, all the pressure goes off. Like the whole crowd was just cooking. All right, one last question, James. Um, you've been to a, a fair few Wednesday games in your life. You've watched a fair few Wednesday games beyond that. Post game was that the loudest hi ho Sheffield Wednesday you've ever heard? Um, I still get chills watching it back. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 the loud, it's the loudest I've ever heard. It's also the most, and it's it's, it's a really hard thing to say, right? Because we won trophies in my lifetime. We won the mm -hmm. Rumbleos Cup. We've been in the Premier League. Like the as I was talking about, 2016, there was this sense of expectation. 
but there was a happiness last Monday which I can't I can't explain and I still feel it I think a lot of the fans still feel it there was kind of the something of kind of like a, a wrong being righted a kind of a completion the finishing of a story something happening to us that doesn't happen to us happens to other people and yeah the the noise was just beautiful it was well, here, and it was beautiful and it continued all the way up and I've watched again and I've watched these highlights back over and over and over and over again and I think I have enough distance now or it's just just like I just do it as a force of habit I'm not like because like, there was a time even like maybe three or four days ago where I watched the Palmer goal go in I like be getting out of my seat still like, <laughs> if, but then you start to really appreciate how like not even within Sheffield Wednesday history or soccer history just sports history in general like how ludicrous this fucking is like none of this should have happened none of it should have happened but but here's the thing none of it should have happened but now i'm glad it has happened no so absolutely it's very, very right, hard yeah, yeah. To, it's very hard to explain like the universe mm. but i'm glad that we got a points deduction i'm glad that we got relegated i'm glad that i was as mm. negative as i was about the fact that we couldn't dig ourselves out of this god awful league because as a result of all of that we got last week and we got the week before and that that last few weeks like it, like, it's yeah, really like, impossible like, to explain, but it's been good for us. It's, it's if, been good. If for Swiss us, doesn't so... have these memories, right? Like if Swiss yeah. doesn't have this, like I don't so... know. We're going to talk about what's, where Wednesday goes next, and it can go in a lot of different directions, uh, quickly or slowly. But uh, well, let me still let me have it because James is is making this point, this feeling. I I think I may have it. <laughs> what it, what it is? Uh, you guys, uh, a lot of our listeners. Hi, Tina. Uh, Tina was there with her family in the upper deck uh, somewhere. Tina's a, a lovely person. And I had been texting her about this uh, after the fact. And I said, it's such a strange sort of fulfilling relief. It, it, it's we just we we needed that. We needed that things had been, you know, I think I said the other week we deserved that. <laughs> uh, but it was such a relief to get that to to finally have that good moment that we've really been waiting for and it just when you say james you're so happy like that's it i've just been really happy i feel fulfilled and sort of completed like a cycle of things has occurred uh that yeah, as you said wouldn't really wouldn't have happened right i mean, I mean this, this might this might get put the lie to it like by september by like labor day but it does feel in a way like if they had ground out a couple extra results against like Cheltenham and Burton Albion and went up second, they wouldn't have. It feels like they're going to kick on now, right? Do, do, do you know what I'm going to say? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say. I know what like, you mean. I, that's the other, yeah. I, I, it doesn't matter. It, it actually doesn't matter. Like, you know, it does. I, it doesn't. Look, you're right. But in, you also have to look at the squad now and we, be like, we might not be, we might yeah. not be where we want to be. But hmm. here's the thing like, Last week, and not just last week, over the last few weeks, it's like kind of, I don't know, literally physical connections have been made between people, probably a lot of limbs, right? <laughs> but we've kind of, we've reconnected club and fans, we've reconnected yeah. fans to fans, we've kind of, we've lost a lot of kind of the baggage that we took with us over the last five, 10, probably 20 years, right? Um, but everybody's got their little moments, and like, these aren't about like, you know, thousands of fans, like, my mum was saying to me on the way into the stadium, she's like, she's a couple of years younger than my dad, but she's still in the 70s. She'd never been to Wembley before. 
And like she was at Wembley watching Wednesday. And like, could she have had that moment if we just kind of, you know, got 97 points and gone on fourth match? No, you know. Um, there was, you know, the fans in Covent Garden on Sunday night, it was before I even got to London, but like, you know, kids having that experience that wouldn't have had it before. It's 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 just it's that stuff. That's why I say it doesn't matter. It, it, we're kind of better for having gone through it. I had the experience at work, and I know, James, you had the opposite the year that the Blades got promoted, but someone got on a call with me, and they said, congratulations on your promotion. And I, it took me a while to get the context of what she was talking about. Like, you're the Wednesday fan, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen to the second-place team in League mm-hmm. One. That happens to the dramatic 4-0. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about, like, obviously, uh, you know, Men and Blazers, Football Weekly, uh, Rambo have all done <laughs> segments on this, right? And they, it's always the the same thing. Like, and they always talk about, you know, it's because everybody and that all these podcasters are basically our age, so they also all none of them are Wednesday fans. They remember Wednesday in the nineties and they, oh, it's still a big club, and and like you know, some nights it really is is the thing, and that's a uh, yeah. I don't like just to bring it back to my original point. I don't know how you go through that. And I, we'll get to like, you know, which is the retainer. I don't know how if you're, I don't know, Michael Heckway or whatever, uh, and you go through that and you don't just have an ex- extra pep in your step like season, right? And you've seen this, right? Like the, the way the players have talked about this experience, because they, like we talk about your, uh, you know, your mom never seeing uh, Wednesday. A lot of these players don't get to play at Wembley, right? That's not like if you're like a you know, you're a championship league one type level player. Like yeah, I mean sometimes you'll get there in a playoff final. You know maybe you end up there in the pizza trophy uh, once in a while. But like you don't in the pizza trophy maybe not the same exact atmosphere as you had. Uh, right, not in front of forty four thousand. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know Darren Moore made this point in one of his post games too. He talked about because uh, he was there in in twenty sixteen just as like a guest of somebody or something. And like, he was like blown away about how big the Wednesday contingent was and how loud they were. And, you know, there's not, you don't really get that. Like again, Hillsborough only really seats 35 and, you know, you don't get the opportunity to really see the massive, I guess is the term uh, we like to use uh, in full voice and in full force and really have something to cheer about at least after, well, not for the first 122 minutes or so, but after that uh more to cheer about uh, i do want to talk a little bit about the parade because uh again it's it's just good vibes right is all is all it really comes down to it it's callum patterson in sunglasses with the mad dog 2020 Dude, uh, clock fast, clock and, fast and mad dog holy shit <laughs> that's like, worse than me drinking those mcgillicuddies is, are like people like losing bets for this? Like you're professional <laughs> footballers. Barry Bannon's on like eight hundred thousand a week or whatever. Like, can you get some quality liquor on the? Uh... <laughs> that stuff's just gonna dehydrate you. It's like sugary. It'll be the worst hangover of your life. And don't think they care. No, they don't. Uh, David Stockdale certainly did. What, what were you drinking <laughs> last week? A uh, something with fizz in it, Jeff. It wasn't. It wasn't that sort of occasion, right? No. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. I mean, let me just see. Hard liquor or whatever. I don't know. It was. It was. And it's, you know, obviously Barry Bannon got his little shot in about uh, a Sheffield team selling out their Wembley allotment. I mean, like, it's all, all in good fun and whatnot. And I, I saw a lot of people make this point on Twitter. And it's like, 
yeah, it's a League One playoff promotion and, and whatnot. But it's also a League One playoff promotion. And look how many people came out and what the atmosphere was like. Imagine if another promotion happens, what that's going to be like. Imagine a trip to Wembley as a Premier League team. Like you can dream about that kind of stuff now. Like it's look, I know it's it still feels like it's a long way away, and it's probably a long way away. It does feel a a might bit closer than when you're going to Morecambe, like four times or whatever. <laughs> what was your favorite moment from the parade, James? I think the parade, I, I, so I got my comeuppance, right? So um, hmm. in order to get, I happened to, I was in Europe for work last yes. week, um, which meant I got to get to Wembley. Um, the comeuppance was I had to actually go to Europe for work, so I wasn't really paying too close attention hmm. to the parade. Um, I Probably David Stockdale emceeing from the balcony, I yeah. think. Um, if you watch those kind of like many excerpts of him just rambling on in his cowboy yeah. hat, um, I just, I, 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 I have so many memories of David Stockdale and championship and then watching him this year. For me, he's kind of emblemic of what the club has picked up over the last 12 to 24 months, which is kind of a sense of camaraderie, of dressing room cohesion, of kind of just togetherness, which has been absent for so long, right? And the right, fact that you know at... he's moved on and we'll talk about where he's going and you yeah, know, his yeah. next steps, but the fact that he had so much love for the fan base, for the squad. Well, he said it, right? It's like, fun, I think he's the guy that I can go to his Wikipedia page and he has played literally, I'll just, obviously he started at York City. Um, Wakefield, Emily on loan, Works Uptown, Darlington, Fulham, Rotherham, Leicester, Plymouth, Ipswich, Hull, Brighton, Birmingham, Southend, Wickham, Coventry, uh, Wickham again, full-time. Sheffield Wednesday, now back to York City. And it's like, uh, you know, that can go a lot of different ways when you're a journeyman championship to League Two. I guess Fulham was probably in the Premier League for or something, some period of time while he was there. Uh, and Brighton, obviously, he was their, their keeper when they got promoted. But like that can go a bunch of different ways, right? And And one of the things I think Darren Moore has done, and that was sort of emblematic the last three weeks is that yeah you never know what goes behind closed doors and uh, the the Barry I don't know if you watched the Barry Bannon interview with uh, David Prutton uh, that's on YouTube from the what is it the 72 or whatever he makes the point that like yeah you know uh, not everybody in the dressing room likes each other but we all get along is the thing right it's not like maybe we don't hang out outside of work but it's just a different atmosphere. And I'm sure he's been through some, uh, he's been, there's been some, some Wednesday teams he's played on uh, in that era that probably haven't had, uh, haven't had that kind of locker room atmosphere. And like Stockdale's, I'm not, he said like, yeah, and like he's, I'm sure he's very uh, uh, realistic about what his role is when he came in. Like he said, I think it was like, I'm here to teach them how to shit house basically. Like I know how to get it. like legally. And he did that. And he, you know, he he was probably a little hard done the first time that Dawson. Yeah, I know he dealt with some like some back injury, back issues. He was probably a little hard done not to lose his place in the squad to Dawson through injury, and then also he lost it a second time. And you never heard anything about that being an issue, which you might have heard with other Wednesday keepers uh, over the years. But 
and I just said like when he left was like I my I was like I want the shirt to be in better shape than when I arrived and it certainly is whoever they bring in uh as a goalkeeper next year and that's just a very refreshing point of view and like it, even so much as the the club going out and saying something nice about everyone that wasn't on the retained list right on some level that's just you made that media point, right marketing the, yeah, boilerplate, but, but also wednesday have fucked yeah. that up for <laughs> for so many years that it is nice to see right it's like you know jack hunt had some really nice things to say about the club obviously and it is about bringing the right people in um and it's not just about i mean ultimately it does have to be about the quality of the football on the pitch right but also you know, some there's like the, you know, the intangibles. I guess is the sort of the sports term, and that can be looked at kind of like laughingly because obviously, you know, record-breaking point total season. It's hard to have a. You know, it's it, it things are going well, right? It's it's easy to get along with your, with your neighbor when you're twenty-three unbeaten, right? But what happens when you? ship four against Peterborough in the first uh, like of the playoffs right. what happens after that that's where it really gets tested and man they uh, they sure passed the test well they had a good room they they were all everybody's pulling in the same direction apparently you know they weren't they were like even that's another were. thing Bannon says in the Prutton interview is like he makes the point that after that game there there were people in the squad that thought they were done well sure why wouldn't you Dude, I gotta get a fucking iguana tattoo. That's how dumb <laughs> I thought they were. So, but you, yeah. it, it's they got it. You got to drag them back, right? That's not always easy yeah. to do. Well, that's that's on the manager. That's on the Stockdale's. That's on the band. Yeah, it's, it's on, on the veterans in that locker room. You know. It's. It, I mean, it it really is on the collective, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because and it's like it's like, easy it, to sit here after they did all that ludicrous shit. Well, and do like post hoc analysis on it, like, but it it's never happened before, so something must have been different. So we're better for having gone through it because, as a result of this, there's a cohesion to the, I guess, the playing infrastructure. You know, to the dressing room, to the management, the coaching. But just, I think you know, Barry Banner said it in the post match interviews after Peterborough about how. Of course, heads were down after you lose the first leg, but like not only that, they weren't really responding necessarily to the okay, there's a way forward here, and the way that Darren Moore and the coaching staff turned them around, but also seasoned heads like Stockdale were able to kind of input to that is the difference. And this kind of the core of this playing staff is going to have that going into next season. But kind of most importantly, because players will turn over and they won't be here in two, three seasons, this fan base now knows that this club isn't a perennial loser. This club now can actually be the club that scores in the last minute, that digs out from 4-0 down. And I can't remember who said it on Twitter, and I, I hate taking other people's words, so I know this is someone else's. But, like, the Wednesday way is no more. Like, it's no longer the Wednesday way to stuff things up, to snatch no, typical the Wednesday. deep in the draws right. of victory. Like, typical Wednesday, yes, that's been it for, like, as long as we've known it. But, like, the last few months, we found a way to recover from the depths. And that that's... Look, That's even real the games power. like That's I, 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 having gone through and watched <laughs> the uh, 23 minute video of every Wednesday goal this year, you know, you think about, yeah, they lost at Barnsley, but they were pinned back to 
nail in horrible circumstances and go back to 2-2. It did that against Ipswich when it looked like that game, uh, the first game against Ipswich, where it looked like that game was completely lost. Even going all the way back to the uh, Pompey first game, you know, they continued to come back from, you know, down 2-1 and down 3-2. Mm-hmm. And that should have been the sign, right? And But as soon as it, it is until it isn't, right? As soon as, you know, the forest, second Forest Green game happens, it's like, oh, I know what this feels like because the muscle memory is just there. I didn't have muscle memory for what happened in the in the second game at Peterborough. The closest I can, <laughs> but the closest I can come up to, and it actually happened against Barnsley too. Uh, hilariously enough that I can come uh, actually probably a shittier game than the Wembley game uh, on balance was the uh, Chris McGuire winner against Barnsley in the championship uh, like nine years ago at this point or something absolutely shit game of football and he just like pings one in from outside the area in the 93rd minute but the exact same kind of uh Energy. We don't score those goals, right? I mean, one person scored those goals. Who we'll actually get to it uh, in the news segment. Before we get there, we do have to review some predictions because we did do predictions. It was me, Evan, and Chris. We did season predictions. We review the season predictions. I went back and listened, James. We're going to review. By the way, if there's one person who's ever been on this podcast who would appreciate Mad Dog 2020, I feel mm. like it's Evan. Well, that's as close as oh. I can get to Five Ball Whiskey. Mm, yeah, I guess. So here were the questions we asked in the preseason predictions. Uh, we made a lot of references to Forest Green Rovers and not wanting to play Forest Green Rovers during the 2021-2022 uh, season of podcasts. Obviously, we played Forest Green Rovers. So I did ask uh, myself, Chris and Evan, how many points we take against Forest Green Rovers? Uh, I said four. Evan said Evan was optimistic. He said six. Uh, Chris said three home win away loss. And what oh, will Chris- become a recurring theme... Chris was very good at these predictions. Wow. Uh, what Wednesday player or former Wednesday player will return on a free? Because obviously that happened with Hutch the year before. Maybe somebody else too that I'm uh, forgetting. I guess Jack Hunt too. Uh, this is one that Chris missed. He uh, he picked Saito Berahino. who actually spent the season with AEL Limassol in Cyprus. Uh, Evan picked West uh, Kieran Westwood, who I don't think popped up anywhere after his stint with uh, QPR last year. Uh, I am counting this as a point for me. Uh, I picked Daddy Newhue, who was yes. in the commentary booth at Wembley. So <laughs> I am counting that as a as a my only point. That won't be my only point uh, because I leading goal scorer. Chris picked uh, Michael Smith with twenty. Evan picked Lee Gregory with nineteen. And since I went last for this one, I picked one goal more than Chris and went uh, Michael Smith with 21. And he scored exactly 21 after the penalty against Peterborough. Nicely done. Very good for me. Uh, where will you finish in the Papa John's trophy? Always that we don't have to ask it anymore, at least in the short term. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, I didn't make a prediction for this somehow. I don't know how that happened. I might have been a couple beers in. Evan thought we'd get out of the group stage and lose in the round of 32. Uh, Chris did this whole spiel where he doesn't care about the Papa John's trophy. It's this, it's a stupid competition. He doesn't think they're going to make out of the group. So win for him. But he did say, he did make this point. If you can get Wednesday at Wembley, they take 40 odd thousand and make a lot of noise. <laughs> So I uh, give him 
He only gets the one point. Uh, finally, the where they will finish in the league table. I made a whole speech about how I'm always the most optimistic one, and I'm tired of doing that. So I picked them to finish fifth, but also get up to the playoffs, which would have won me the except uh, Chris said third and went in the playoffs. Said they will be around the top three and just fall short. <laughs> uh evan said second so yeah chris absolutely hammered this this was great incredible things yeah uh, i'm gonna have to come up with some new questions so chris wins basically all of the accolades for predictions chris needs a shout out as well for yeah. all work on our socials because not yeah. only was he also at wembley also in the five he was doing social stuff somebody asked yeah, he was doing social from, like, from wembley yeah like, like you was, can't ask any of us to do the yeah that's fine big ups chris so that was like a break come back to the wednesday news and take a look forward to 2023, 2024, and all that might entail in the championship. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. Uh, and we'll start here, actually, before we get to the the meat of it. Kieran Lee is retired, uh, most recently at Bolton, but he made 196 league appearances, scored 20 goals for Sheffield Wednesday. You know, honestly, and I said this before on the podcast, of the last 10 years or so, my favorite Sheffield Wednesday player to watch. Just uh, There's nothing I love more than a box-to-box midfielder. They can score some goals and just absolute engine of those... Uh, you know, even before Carlos came in, right? The I don't, the first there was a big story. I remember of like right after Chancery took over, where there's a, a big deal about like Stuart Gray and Kieran Lee posing on like the steps of Hillsborough with like they just extended him a new contract or something. Uh, and just, but man, I just loved watching him play the stuff he could do, like uh, the weird kind of goals he could score. Uh, I've seen directions before. You want you want a late winner? You turn to Kieran Lee. He scored a couple of big ones. Um, one of my favorite goals, recent Wednesday history, his volley against Leeds that was just absolutely perverse into the bottom quarter uh, off a of poor clearance. But he scored a scrappy goal. He was great with the ball at his feet. Uh, just the absolute engine of those. Uh, you think about sort of the peak of of Wednesday football during that era. It's, you know. Kieran Lee absolutely in the middle of the Carlos 4-4-2, I think. And just driving everything. I went uh, I went back and looked at some of the, the YouTube videos that the club puts out about Kieran Lee's 20 goals or however many there were. This one. I was surprised how many were really scappy. They weren't these mm. elegant things. They were a lot of different... And Atanuyu was in just about every yeah, frame. No, he, he would make those late runs into the box. Like his... Lots of rebounds. Yeah, the spacing, his positioning, his sense of where he needed to be at any given time. Uh, not the best defender in the world, which is always funny, too. He always had a bad foul on him, probably, in transition. Uh, but but there's something like lovely about like imperfect midfielders, I think, in a way. That is... Uh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Jeff, wash your mouth up. There is nothing imperfect about Kieran Lee. He no, was no, the, no. He was the perfect midfielder. He was. And, Don't Google search him at work. You know what? One the, thing that I learned, but... The, the, there's also something perfect. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm still processing the fact that Kieran Lee is retiring because I don't believe he is really retiring. I think mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he's retiring from like League One football. I'm sure he's going to find a home somewhere because I want to yeah. go and watch him play because 
I'm with you, Jeff. He, he's still my favourite Wednesday player of the last, probably the last couple of decades. Um, but, you know, we were talking bef- before the second leg against Peterborough in the Football Factory about how, like, if this was going to work, it was going to require a Kieran Lee moment. It was mm. going to require Kieran Lee against Bristol City. Yeah. Like, that was the only way it was going to come together. And with everything that's transpired in the last couple of weeks, like, we finally, we've closed a chapter, haven't we? We've closed a chapter on the Kieran Lee against Bristol City or the Kieran Lee against Rotherham, the last-minute goals. Now we've got our Liam Palmer and we've got our yeah. Josh Windash, right? And so we've turned the page. We've turned the page from the Carlos era. We've moved beyond that squad. But he delivered just so many wonderful memories. And um, I was kind of thinking back about goals. Like I would have I would have quoted the Leeds goal. But you know, the one I love is the goal against, I think it's Ipswich away that got us into the playoffs the second season. So the season mm-hmm. we played against Huddersfield and lost. And there's a move that they are so patient. And it just goes back to Bannon. It kind of plays out, I think. I can't remember if Pudil's involved, but eventually Lee does exactly that, that ghosting run in and just just glances it into the goal. He scored so many goals like that. He played so many moves like that. Yeah, that guy was a legend. He's a legend. No, he's another one which... How, how has nobody mentioned the Brighton goal? The, the touch <laughs> on that fucking ball. Yes. I mean, that was, it was kind of lucky that, that it got it through. Indis- no, but once man, it got through... He meant to do that. Yeah. And then but once he got through, you'd always bet corner. on him scoring is the thing. Oh, and again, my God. He's, he's like the classic, not a great scorer of goals, but a scorer of great goals. And who does, we who also does he should score mention... that goal again, Justin? Hmm. Say again. Who does he score the goal against? Brighton? Oh, yeah. Was it Stockdale? Stockdale. Yeah. David Stockdale. Yeah. David Stockdale. I mean, no, no goalkeeper is getting to that, no. frankly. So. Beautiful. Uh, we should also mention the, was it the, this, I don't remember who it's against. It's the diving header on the Buxton cross. Or whatever from uh, 2014. He had a couple of good bullet headers in there, and he's like, yeah, he would score. He had a great right. I mean, obviously, you could score from outside the box. You could score from inside the box. Uh, the move for the for the forest goal too is just like perverse. That the other the other late winner that he scored uh, that season. That was a great one because I think it was Jim was giving me shit for wearing a Kieran Lee shirt. And they go down two one, and then he scores. Uh, scores one from I think uh, I think he made a diving header in that game too, and then the the late winner. And I'm just like practically trying to rip my shirt around to turn it uh, backwards so I can just like point it, <laughs> to point at it to to give Jim the business. But yeah, I never. He was like the perfect Wednesday player for the last decade, right? I guess something else worth mentioning is often uh, hurt. <laughs> Not quite as fit the, as you'd ever want, but yeah. Oh, something worth mentioning is during the uh, 2020, the COVID year, uh, when the delay pushed the games into July, he and Atenuya were the players that extended their contracts for one month. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other players did not. Um, but yeah, that's they, right. He was there for that. So now the rest of the Wednesday news. Uh, we do start. Turning our attention to next season, the EFL fixture list will be out uh, in a couple weeks. First matches will be the weekend on August fifth. You'll probably see us uh, uh, no sooner than late July. Really, we need a little bit of a break. But there are some preseason matches already: Chesterfield, Doncaster Rover, and uh, David Stockdale's York City. So the usual, the usual uh, local preseason fixtures you expect. But I'm going to ask each of you. If you could book one random preseason fixture against any club, anywhere, really, 
Who do you want to see come to Hillsboro for a preseason friendly, James? I'm going to flip it. I don't want Wednesday, someone to come to Hillsborough. I want Wednesday to go play Columbus Crew. <laughs> Columbus. We, we do need to get yeah, in New, Eng New England Revolution. Come on. Yeah, nah, come on. Don't yeah, do that. Right don't up take the it easy. That's why I phrased it that way. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm on the same page. I was there when Norwich mm. visited Portland yeah, Timbers. Yeah, fine. Great day. Just Great the, day. Just, so I have noted that uh, uh, Kaiser Slauten is back in the Bundesliga too now. So we get a Kaiser Kaiser Slauten visit, maybe, to uh, bring back old memories under the lights at Hillsborough. No, you, yeah. So I, I think maybe as I'm getting older, you don't want to recreate things. You just want to recreate things, but right, you've got to mm -hmm. create new memories. So um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Hillsborough. Hillsborough games preseason don't mm. tend to work out all that well. Like there's all that like Rangers thing. I don't particularly yeah. like that. Um, I'm kind of big. I, I love the idea that we're going to York. Like this, like the connection within, again, this is a, it's a different Wednesday thing, right? Only a few hours after the town hall parade, we release the, you know, retain list. David Stockdale mm. obviously is moving on. 24 hours later, it, he's got a new role at York City. And 24 hours again, we've got a friendly at York City. That's the way we should be doing things. It's like it's yeah. making connections. It's building the community. It's extending our reach. So I'm actually I'm much more excited about that. And it looks like we're playing, I think we're playing Doncaster. We're playing York. There's another friendly kind of locally. Chesterfield, I think, for Drew Talbot's testimonial. It's like it. It's good. It's like the club are just kind of like building the base just a little bit. So I'm more excited about that, Jeff, than big names coming to Hillsbury. You know? Well, Jeff wants to come and play with Inter Milan. <laughs> nice little trip to Miami. Uh, well, how excited are you about the 2023-2024 home kit? Uh, I will say this before we get into discussion of the nuts, bolts, and stripes, as we always do. If you want to convince me the club is going in the in the right direction. There's a lot of things, right? A, be, a better analytics and recruitment base, uh, better training facilities and development. Yes, absolutely. Uh, maybe even bringing a director of football at some point. Very important. Getting the fucking kid out in June is incredible. <laughs> I mean, they're working with a real company now with, with Macron, but we did obviously get the... Uh, the preview of the home kit, at least on the parade route. And as always, Wednesday fans love nothing more than to grouse about a new kit. So grouse, we shall. Um, so I, I guess we should note there's going to be blue shorts, which immediately is going to, is going to set the fan base uh, ablaze. Uh, Justin's already got his hand up. I mean, I will say, Wednesday do play in blue shorts. I don't like them regularly, but every once in a while, it's nice. And I did get kind of like, I feel like like Chris O'Grady Volkswagen kit or like Marcus Tudgay vibes from the shirt itself. So I think playing with blue shorts makes sense. And there's an actual black in the kit uh, in the shirt. So I don't think you necessarily have to play in black shorts. Uh, I will say I like it. This is the first home kit. I'm going to buy in a while. I like the design. I like the yellows and the stripes. And look, I like if you can't make this up. The sponsor's logo is a flat cap that says A up underneath it. And that's going to be divisive. But as an American, I think it's just corny enough to be good. You said it right there. The American, right. 
Yeah, yeah. it's just like yeah. Like, <laughs> James, James, I think he's a good-looking kid. Otherwise, too. Yeah, James, you need to fill us in on the flat cap and the A up. But to Americans, it's just like the most. It's the thing you're gonna wear to the bar and be uh-huh. so confusing to people, and you're gonna say no, Yorkshire baby. Yeah. So A up. I'm in. I'm pretty sure it's a San Francisco-based company, no? <laughs> it is, actually. Yes. <laughs> it, is, um, it is It is the most 2023 bit of branding, right? Because yeah, it's, yeah. Hard, it's hardly, it's hardly it's even It's Chupa Chups for a new generation. Well, no, it's not Salvador Dali. I mean, whoever, yeah. whoever designed that cap. And I, I've yeah. got a theory, which is actually that cap is probably a little bit more thought out than a lot of people think. But um, So the backstory is that the... So AOP is a, I mean, it's almost a charitable organization, I think, at this stage. It's basically a, you know, it's a startup that's intended to help train people in the South Yorkshire area to code, to become more au fait with, you know, digital technologies, um, try and catch up with the rest of the world a little bit. Um, And it was founded by David Richards, who is uh, not Dave Richards, uh, the former CEO of One Disco, who is based in San Francisco, Justin. Massive Wednesday. Okay. Very well connected. Um, and uh, he and his wife have a charitable foundation. They've set up this this organization there. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I love your thinking, Mike. Like may, Maybe this is Wednesday thinking like five steps ahead. And like, how do we create some viral marketing in America when people walk into bars by having just the right combination of word and image right. on our shirt? How do we capitalize on the Owls America's juggernaut yeah. That is spreading hundreds of fans who gathered just last Monday yeah. in various locations around the United States. Freaking massive. They uh they they were thinking our way, which is why they didn't offer us any tickets for Wembley. Anyway, yeah. um that's not what I meant. Um what I mean, that's the only point of negativity all night, Jeff. I actually yeah. think like I don't even know if it's actually the formal sponsor. The club have been pretty kind of quiet about it. They've confirmed it's the kit, they haven't necessarily said this is the sponsor for next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it looks great. Um, either way, I like it. I think all the Macron kits have been very strong, which happens when you work a company that's not uh, Sports Direct or whatever Elevate was. But it's not even. Ele- I, I saw somebody posted like their E fell off of their Elevate shirt. My V has fallen off. That was Graham and disappeared yeah, at this Graham's point. Graham's E fell off. Uh, I managed to glue the L back on when that fell off, but I, I've lost the V. At some point on the on the green away kit from a couple of years ago, they there's a point at which elevate elevate deflated. So I would just stick with Macron. Right, yeah. But no, I I I don't know if that's going to be the sponsor's logo. But I do think it is like at a certain point you got to lean into it, right? Ooh. Like this, it's a fine line between like that and Flamingo Land. But you could do have to uh, <laughs> or like just eat or whatever the Derby one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't let that go without being like name check. Jess, did you just name check Flamingo Land on yeah, Al- whole city kids? Yeah. Let's just pause for a second. Mike, Justin, do you have any idea what Jeff's talking about? Yeah. yeah. We've uh, all seen the whole city kits with Flamingo thing- Land on them. Yeah. I think I have Googled and then gone to Wikipedia for Flamingo Land on this podcast before. We've done 220 oh, episodes of probably some home matches. That's so. like something not- from my childhood. Yeah. Yes. All these stadium naming things last year with yeah. the smile, whatever, and yeah, come on. 
This is what happens when you don't turn up on a podcast for a year. We live, we live for this stuff. So now, now what uh, Mike, who actually was kind enough to an agenda for this week, calls the real news. Yes. So the retained list, uh, as we alluded to at various times over the first 50 minutes of the show or so. Uh, Jack Hunt, David Stockdale, Dennis Denneran, Jaden Brown, Sam Durant, Ryan Galvin, and Ben Hennigan all will not have their contracts retained. Is this ruthless or good business or both, I suppose? Good business, man. There's, yeah, there's I, some other people out of contract who no, what like which one of those people was going to be I think a I, contributing like, member of a championship? I think Hennigan's a little hard done by this, but I also don't know how he his rehab's be. going. So that's the other the other part of it. They may they may think he's too slow. Yeah, they or might have more information or than, yeah. what, whatever. Like no, I mean obviously I, like it, you. Uh, I think it was Victoria who, who was shocking. No, but I think it was Victoria who posted like this like. Uh, saying goodbye to all your friends on like the best holiday you've ever had of your life or well, whatever think, it was. It was I, always going to be, it, it's like, I mean, it's a function of how late the season ran because they won the playoffs. This has to come out when it has to come out and had to come out 24 hours after the parade or whatever. And that's, so it does feel a little different, right? I, than I if they'd gone up automatically that, and it had been two weeks later. Yeah. I, I think that's where the newspaper, it was probably the star ran that ran the, yeah headline ruthless but it was literally 24 hours after this picture on city hall and, and whatnot but i specifically remember however long ago two years three years ago we were wondering would being relegated to league one be better than sitting here in 15th place talking about adam reach and whoever else's contract because someone is too loyal to these people so i'm going to go with good business for all these I do think there's a little bit of a, I mean, a, another warning sign here that, yeah, I mean, it's a step up to the championship, but if the youth team is still not producing players that we're retaining at this point, and like Sam Durant and Ryan Galvin have been in and around the squad the last couple of years, is that a little bit of a warning sign? Uh, well, we also, so we have, as far as I can tell right now, 12 players under contract and that includes uh charles shipton and brennan who yeah. uh are all youth academy products and and as, uh, on the cusp of the team yeah I, I i think that i think that we're seeing the beginnings of this i, I think we're really seeing names coming up the last couple of years that are look, kind of uh, more is more is willing to play the young players youth players uh, yeah well more I, is willing i don't even to know if they're going to play but when you say right. the academy is not producing players it is they may not be ready for championship level and, and again, right. we only have 12 guys on the squad right now. We're going to need yep. to sign a fair amount of people. And I think that is, if we want to get into that now, and the I difference think that's too why is, you know, Charles returnees. Is, you know, Charles is 17 years old and getting into the well, squad. I, even if he doesn't get in, he's close. Yeah, Shipton and is so 18 Shipton years and old. And Brennan, Brennan could be ready to come back. I, I don't know. He may need another year out. But, but we also have a lot of guys who I don't think can get us up in the championship. I don't know that, say, re-signing Marvin Johnson gets us up or Dom Iorfa or, you know, even Lee Gregory. But at the same time, those guys with this collective spirit that we're talking about, Callum Patterson, they keep us solidly in this division. I think we could return the exact same squad and not get relegated. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If we bring back 
some of the right guys plus some additions, I, I think we're a pretty strong mid-table championship side. And I don't mind giving Callum Patterson a year or two or Marvin Johnson a year or two. I, I don't think they'll be great in the championship, but I think I mean, be they've, they've been successful squad players in the championship before. But then you look, that was, you know, Wednesday have been out of the championship for a few years now. So you do wonder, you know, who uh, among these players can take the step back up. Well, and, even the last couple of years we were in the championship, we were right. not and, good. And <laughs> Mike put the ages of these players now in in the dock. So and I think like, the, the, way, the way to look at it, just you called it right. I mean, I don't know the exact end. I don't know if it's 12 or 16. But we've, we've got a fairly shallow squad in terms of size for the championship going forward, right? So I think the club have done exactly the right thing, which is they basically looked at those players that can make the grade at championship level, whether they're in the starting level or whether they're squad players. And now we've got to add probably somewhere between five and eight players that will kind of fill out that squad, right? And as long as those players that come in are youthful, have more pace, more championship potential, and build out that team, then all of the players we're bringing with us are going to add to the cohesion of the dressing room, of the squad, and they'll Correct. be in the role, right? And then, it, then it's about establishing yourself in the championship and Jeff I'd kind of I'd take issue with your language a little bit I don't think it's a warning sign on the young players yet I think it's a reminder that now we have to take the next step so first of all we've sorted out the basic infrastructure of the playing staff of the club of the community now we've got to invest in youth right it might take two or three years to see the benefit of that but if the club don't start putting some money into the training facilities, into the youth teams, expand the programs, the outreach in South Yorkshire, then we've got real gripes. But we've been saying that's the warning, them. right? That, that's, that's the warning if they don't start putting the money in. And we're not worried about the players right now, but I want to see the investment in the youth programs. Well, what's the long term plan, right? It, right? it has to include, like you said, it has to include every level of that. Well, I'm giving them a pass to, this week, Jeff, because you challenged me to be positive. So, well, they are going to need to spend a fair bit in the in the window, I think. And look, they can. Well, pay we can wages. finally spend again. Yeah, I mean, they can pay wages. But, we've always we've always seen that. Uh, but how are you one, going but... to? How are you going to spend your money? And this is right. this is you know the big question. If we're doing all of this so we can just reset and go right back to doing the chance series, splash a bunch of cash, <laughs> yeah, right, like, make a quick like, jump yeah. up. Uh, that's you do occasionally like you have to be realistic right you do occasionally need to be a club that can sell players on and Wednesday have not been that during the chen year like what who's the only player they've really gotten a fee they've turned a profit for it's like lucas Shao, they basically. sold lucas Shao. yeah man. so one of the things that was interesting to me is they did extend a contract to the fizz and look i've been a, a fairly staunch his defender on this podcast and actually going back and watching the the goals from this year man when he's when he's on he is uh he's a force but the other thing too is like i don't know people sigh i don't know if his head's already been turned already he's 22 years old if you can get him in a championship squad and get him right there's already clubs knocking around, right? Like you, don't... He, may, he may be better in the championship given his game and his technical and maybe, ability, yeah. his ability yeah. to dribble. The, what happens in League One is, is as we've seen, is <laughs> everybody clatters you down and then hoofs the ball along. Like yeah. it's with with a few exceptions. He's I I was glad. But I do think it is at least an eye contract. towards like 
that kind of that, that kind of ruthlessness, right? You've got to look at the again, like Brentford does this better than anyone, right? They put values on players and they sell them on when they feel it's appropriate, when they get appropriate value for it. And well, right Wednesday have never right now, right? You know, a lot of clubs are. And and Wednesday just never have, right? They're it's always just trying to fill holes and just push on and push on and push on. And now you have the opportunity, you know, going back up into a very, uh, a very tricky championship to maybe take a step back and sort of like zoom out and look, try to build a squad that finishes 14th, but has potential to knock on. Right. Or that if, you know, in January, if you find someone on a free from or, or or buy a promising winger from League Two that takes another step forward and suddenly, you know, Burnley's trying to stay up and taking a look. You gotta look at those kind of things because that gives you the fun, keeps you out of the 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 six point deduction that gets you set down last time and allows you to kind of uh you know be a modern club in a lot of ways. Right, and that's to me. That's I, and that I'm doesn't answer James. the question. Some they need like negative, actually eight players, eight championship quality do, players to stay in the championship. But but before I get there, though, like what what is your a uh, quick round with this? Because this is what this is my number one question. My number one thing is: Will they start making the right decisions? It, it all starts at the very top with Dayton Chancery. Will he and the people that advise him, the people he listens to, will they be willing to? set up the infrastructure for a long-term plan where the, by where the club can well have a solid enough foundation to get into the premier league and stay in there. This is a 10 year plan, <laughs> five year by, I don't know. It's so, a long-term here, here's plan. Oh, hold on, hold on, that, right? hold okay. on, hold on. No, hold on one sec. So what are they going to put, start putting something like that into place or are they going to just say, let's get to the premier league in two years in three years and do whatever it takes and end up there. And I, I think there's a decent, I'm kind of willing to give them a chance. Like maybe they can do it, but I don't know, man. There's, I think there's also a good chance. Like fuck this up. (laughs) There's two things here, right? If you put together a two year, two to three year plan to get in the premier league and then get into the premier league. Well, then there's your 10 year plan because there's just infinite money now. Basically, but not for, if not a, if you don't have an academy. If you no, don't have you, an academy, like, if you don't such have a, a cash infusion plan though. in place. Like, no, yeah, but how many? Everybody. Maybe you're not Brighton, but maybe Pigs you're West Brom, right which is still an improvement. Leeds came right back down. Like, Leeds is coming back teams, down with a lot of money. I maybe not with the yeah, membership, but uh, nah. It it. I don't. I don't want to be fucking Norwich. I, I don't want to be. I will sit in the championship for a while. If, if when you've had League One, I guess doing smart things. Nah, even before that, like I, it's it's a fun division. Like we wanted to go up, and and that mm-hmm. was in in sixteen. Like that was huge, and and the next year, and we we thought, but realistically, championship is fine if we're building towards a long term. So the other problem Brighton, with that is it's if you read between the lines of the last two years, our our transfer policy is basically Darren Moore picking players, which is fine as long as Darren Moore is the manager. And realistically, the nature of, again, the nature of, of modern football is 
how long will Darren Moore be manager if they're mired in 17th come Christmas? I don't know, I guess is the the short answer. Well, Mike, jo- uh, James, what are you guys think? You feeling confident that the Chancery regime has turned a corner and is going to do things the right way? Or do you think it's old news? I want to believe that it's going to be, again, we want to believe that he's thinking sustainable versus going for glory. So, but God, I I just don't know. When you say 17th place, is that okay? Can can we as a fan base be okay with it? I think because after two years in League One, I think a year, 17th is okay, right? It's not the worst thing in the world. You win some games. Maybe you've been so, a yeah, but you're you're diff- you're different from a lot of these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so here's my slightly detached perspective on this, having railed against this for the past how many years, Justin? Six mm. other. Um I think the last couple of years has probably been healthy for those who had delusions of it being easy. And I see signals, small signals, not necessarily complete signals, that the club and particularly the ownership of the club have recognised the need to do things in a slightly different way. Now, do I think we have established the infrastructure that will make us the next Brentford? No. But I do think we've made some smart moves. I mean, even the comment that, you know, the players we've signed have been the players that Darren Moore wanted to sign. Well, yes, but also with a head of recruitment in uh, in David Downs, I think, who who's actually had, you know, quite an outsized influence. Now he's moving on or maybe moving on. So that, that creates a bit of disruption. But I hope the club have learned some lessons there about, you know, buying smart. And we have brought smart the last couple of years. We haven't expended big transfer fees. We brought players in, yes, on good wages, but we've kind of worked within our means. So... I hope they take that model into the championship. Um, and I hope that there's some, you know, slightly more balanced perspectives now about what the future holds. And it does help to have gone through the kind of flown close to the sun and burnt ourselves process that we did in 2016, 2017, and with the FFP injuries that we sustained. And also watching clubs like Leeds and seeing them get it wrong, right? I mean, there's enough examples out there now that it shouldn't be rocket science to say, you got to take your time. You got to build back right. You got to try and get up there in the right way and make it sustainable. So, I'm being optimistic, Jeff. I'm I'm hoping I mean, I'm hoping the, that people are reading the tea leaves the way I'm reading. Look at the players that haven't even like I I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say that like Akin Femwo or uh, Tariq Backinson or uh, Malik Wilkes have worked out yet. They're also 24 years old, right? We're not buying Dave Jones and George Boyd. When Reliably Informed scored a, a good goal for the Wrexham Red Dragons or whatever in the soccer tournament that I keep getting uh, clips on my Twitter from NBC Sports. But uh, so like you can give those players a little bit of time to breathe, right? You know, maybe it doesn't work out next year and you, you know, they, they go the way, they go out of contract like, Jaden Brown and Dennis Odenarin, but they're young players that have shown at times potential in, in the Wednesday shirt. So I think it's a little, it has been a little less, uh, less short-termism already. 
but I'll wrap it up with this. Um, top priority for the transfer window because people like that. Mike? I still want a good defense. So um, if we can get Mark McGinnis back, any, any of those guys. So anyone to back up Palmer would be great. Justin? Uh, Mike has the correct answer, but I will add then that we need a – we need two midfielders. We need a, a little bit of steel, a little bit better Will Vox, I think. Mm. And uh, we need a box-to-box with some technique, and I'm curious to see if that's George Byers or we need to upgrade from him. James? There's no upgrade on George Byers. Um, I <laughs> would... Um, There's that I, guess. Would yeah. I would prioritize a fast, pacey striker, which I think I've been saying for about five years. Um, right. so I, I saw there was some... Uh, I, I agree. I There were some people taking umbrage with like Michael Smith's performance this year. And I like get he that. He scored 21 goals. He no, scored, no, like, it's not about Michael like, Smith. It's about what I, we need beyond. Right? right. No, and I get that. And like, there's a complaint that he's not very fast, which he isn't. Uh, he just backs into defenders, which, I mean, yes, because he has defenders literally draped over him on every ball uh, coming up to him. That's how League One works. I Look, I don't know if he has the pace or technical ability to be a striker at the championship level. I do know he scored 21 goals in League One this year, and we'll get the opportunity to find out one way or the other. Uh, and also Lee Gregory, and Josh Windes, Lee Gregory and Josh Windes can't stay fit for 46 games. So he's going to get a, look, get a fair let, cut of time. Let me phrase anyway. it a different way around. Yeah. Um, Michael Smith and Lee Gregory have been a great front two for us in League One. They will not deliver the goods in the yeah. championship. And therefore, we will need an extra striker. Yeah. There you go. Fair enough. Uh, my top priority is... Uh, I want a quality I want I want 2014 Glenn Lubins is what I want at center back. I want good in the air, good with the ball at his feet. Still has like step great sense of positioning. Mark McGinnis then. I mean Dude, literally, Mark, literally Mark the McGinnis. Fucking yes. game. <laughs> like look, I'm not this, saying it would have been more convenient if Cardiff uh went down for for those uh but I, I'm reliably informed that uh, Sheffield Wednesday is massive and he wants to play the best uh, level of football he can. And maybe that's Sheffield Wednesday next year and not Cardiff City. Do we have any other business? We do have other business. We now officially have a San Francisco Owls group. They have a logo on whatnot. Uh, they also had 25 at the... So- uh, Mike wrote down 24 plus. So I'm just going to call it 25 at the San Francisco meetup at 7 a.m. Uh, for the Wembley game. Is that 24 and a dog? Yeah, man, fair enough. They so had 20. Keep an eye out. Updating it. They kept updating Twitter and there were 24 at halftime. And then there were a lot of people. It's somebody, I mean, fair enough. You, you, you roll out of bed and maybe they were uh, fruit people. Grab yeah. some oysters before. Sure enough. Throw a shirt on. Ah. Uh, all right, this has been long enough. You can listen to episode 220 of the Owls Americast. You can find us on the internet, owlsamericas.com. We can find meetups San Francisco and elsewhere uh, in the coming championship season. Email the show at owlsamericas.gmail.com and find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro on bumpers by fellow Wednesday at Revenant and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, 
probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show as more Wednesday nights find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at Nungan Owls. Justin, design your away kit for the 2023-2024 season. Oh man, I liked the one last year. I'll be honest. I don't I don't think I've seen one, much better. Yellow. I'm gonna the yellow shirt, I, yeah, the yellow, the light blue was uh it was gorgeous. And by the way, uh Jeff, uh 15 major airports in England. Major airports, all right, fair enough. Yeah, uh carry over a million passengers. Right, good. I thought that was I, that qualifies. Yeah. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls. Mike, a year preferred away kit for 2023, 2024. Oh, I, I, you know, the green one from two years ago, really. I like that one. That's my elevate one with a beef. Three years ago. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Uh, probably because my son bought one without a sponsor on the front. So that even better. So, yeah, I like I that one. Uh, James is on Twitter, but I no longer have. Uh, is it Manhattan Owls? You don't live in Manhattan. You don't live in Manhattan for the entire tenure <laughs> of this podcast. But James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owls. It's not in the document anymore. It's been so long since he's been on. James, you prefer to wake it for the 2023-2024 season. I think it's time to bring back the gold and purple, right? We've uh, we've done quite, a, took mine. we've done quite a few retro kits recently. We've done we've done black and yellow, we've done yellow and blue. It's mm. time for the gold and purple. So uh so I'm going there. Um I don't know. The, you can't beat the classics, right? No matter yeah, how can, good yeah. we are, you can't get past the 1990s kind of four, five, six Puma away kits. They are the uh, they are the place to go. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. Since James took my answer, uh, I do love the green kit. So let's go with the, uh, as long as we're doing the classics, like green and white hoops. A la, was that mm. 80, uh, 88, 89, whatever it was in the 80s? And then I Maybe guess. a little less shiny. A little, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, probably, probably would be a little less shiny. Uh, so this all started with a Decemberist song. It will end with a Decemberist song. Uh, and we'll see you later this summer. Here's a hymn to welcome in the day Heralding a summer's early sway And all the bulbs all coming in To begin The thrush's bleeding battle with the wrens Disrupts my reverie again Pegging clothing on the line Training Jasmine how to vine up the arbor to your door and more. Standing on the landing with the war you shouldered all the night before. Once upon it, the yellow bonnet, garlands all along. You were waking, day was breaking, a panoply of song. And summer comes to Springville.